0: in front and was checked the puck out there for a moment now york is shot score ken york's first in the natural and it's 2-1 philadelphia
1: this is episode 95 of the liberty yell danny diemer here with chris stumpha
0: as always how are you buddy
1: i'm the best i've been as a flyers fan um four five dude maybe more more years because i feel as if we actually have a clear direction now and a commitment to the direction like it's not food gaze it's not it's not fan service or lip service it's they actually want to build it the right way and they actually have gone against people who are against it they like tortorello i was watching an interview last night he was saying he don't he doesn't care about all the naysayer. he said keep writing letters to him about <laughs> it he's going to stick to the process and that's what this organization needed so i'm doing good how about you
0: Just a a weight off my shoulders, if you will, Danny. And I know it's just, let's not jump ahead and get too caught up in it, but I can't express how much it really does seem like Keith Jones was the right hire. Obviously, there's a little bit, there's a window that Keith Jones gets that everyone loves him right now, blah, blah, blah. And he even admitted that. I think I was listening to him on... Oh, I forget, because I mean, he's been on how many shows in the last week and a half? He was on some show, and he was talking about how, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's nice that everyone's excited for me, and I'm, I really appreciate, like, the warm welcome everyone's giving me, but I understand that. I have a window here before people are like, all right, <laughs> where's the, where's all that talk at now kind of thing, you know what I mean? So, like, he he gets it, and, like, that's where the breath of fresh air comes from. Uh, he That's the way he talks. And the, the, the way he gets his mes- message across so far. I mean, that press conference was the most impressive thing they've done as an organization. In wow, I can't tell you how long. I, I, I legitimately don't know the last time that I walked away from anything the Flyers have done in that, in that like circumstance and been impressed. And I was impressed about a week and a half ago when they did that press conference. I really was. It was just it was just nice to hear man really so i'm doing well better than this time last year if you will
1: <laughs> the the reason why that press conference is so refreshing is because it's almost like with all the issues they had where do you start mm-hmm. how do you start the healing process because it is deeper than the locker but it is above the locker or it was i should say and it, it's not as simple as going out and getting a johnny goudreau i did want to get johnny goudreau but like it really is not that simple like it wasn't a locker room fix it wasn't a quick go out get the personnel and fix it and that was really what was so demoralizing as a fan it was like well how does this team if the problem is the owner how do i force him out yeah you know and it's as a fan it's a difficult spot to be in because you just feel like the person who's running your team is just sending you down a dark path for forever really but now that but this was the step. I didn't know what the step was going to be, but this was it, and I knew it as soon as I watched the press conference. That is step one in the healing process, mm. uh, in the minds of Flyers fans. It was to me, and now I can all, all I could do is sit back and just, I guess, enjoy the summer. I don't know how enjoyable it's going to be, but it's going to be interesting. Um,
0: I think you said it best a couple of days ago, and they came out and owned it. Is what they did, and we've been being bullshit for the last how many years and for them to come out and like you said, I think you said it yesterday. Like, Hey, we're, we've been bad. Like, This is sucked. We, we understand that. Like we're not gaslighting you anymore into thinking that shit has been good when it's really been just abysmal bottom of the barrel for the last how many years. I mean, you, you can go back, back, back and back. Like it's been so long and it, it, it's nice to see them just kind of say, Hey, we see what you're seeing now, okay? We're not, there's no more bullshit that's going to be spewed out of this organization. Keith Jones has said how many times are they, they're going to be transparent with us, honest with us, let us know what's going on. And that's all we ask for. And that's all that we've been saying. Like we said this last year on, on this very podcast. If they would have just come out, and this is Chuck Fletcher and that, Dave Scott error if you will if they would have just came out and been like hey guys this is gonna suck like we're, we're not good but that's not what they did they aggressive retool we're still six points out of a playoff spot in like what december is it's really nice to hear and of course you still have to see them actually do it back up those words but it's nice to hear them be like hey guys we see what you see we suck we're gonna suck for the next couple of years but we're gonna do this the right way so hey that's what we asked for right And
1: it's the people it's coming from. Like, you know Keith Jones is genuine in what he's saying because he has said it on my television for the last five years. (laughs) I mean, he has been critical of the organization, extremely critical of the organization, to the point where that's what makes me excited about the hire. Mm -hmm. It's because I just know. I know he recognizes it. And same with Danny Breer. Like, these are two guys... That at the end of the day, I feel it, like they won't let the Philadelphia Flyers slip through their grasp. If they have a say in things, they won't go down quietly. That's what gives me hope. Like these are two guys that want nothing more than the organization to succeed. This isn't just about their success. This isn't just like I hired a GM. GM wants to do a good job because it translates to more GM jobs down the yeah. line. It's it, these are two guys that are probably it probably pains them to see this organization and the state it's in. Because you think about when, when Briere was playing, the state it was in, the connections with the alumni, the connections with Ed Snyder, same with uh, Keith Jones playing with Lindros. And now it's just it the feel. It probably just has a corporate, lifeless yeah. feel to it that they probably just sickened them. And they were like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to rebuild Ed Snyder's team the way it should have been. These are the guys who should have received the torch. And that's how it feels for now. Obviously, we haven't seen them do any real work. But... Yeah. It's promising.
0: Yeah, it is. And to go off that a little bit, I, I really liked what I heard from Dan Hilferty. And I've seen people on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere on the radio say that, not say, but complain that, oh, another CEO, wherever he is, what's he? the? Uh, yeah, he's the CEO of Comcast Spectre now, right? For yeah, Dave Scott. I've seen people complain that like, he isn't a hockey guy, blah blah blah. But it, in that position, you don't have to have a hockey guy. I prefer just, if
1: you're not. Yeah, you just need Honestly. a guy who
0: understands that there needs to be hockey guys below him. If that makes sense, like he, he's I mean, he's not a, a full edge Flyers fan. Like, I'm not expecting him to be, but I mean, him bringing up how he skipped class to go down to the parade in what 75. Just that little connections like that. And again, knowing that you don't need to be a full-on hockey guy. You don't have to know who our sixth overall prospect is in the pool. But know that you have to have hockey guys below you. And he seems like he really knows how to put together a team. And the way that he explained how, wh- how and why he put this team together the way they did. Because, I mean, it is a very unethical kind of approach. Because we don't really see teams have this kind of front office build, if you will. I mean, they're giving the reins to Danny Breer. And we talked about this last night. I personally think they think Breer is the next best GM in the league. I mean, for you to hand the keys to a guy who, I mean, let's be honest with each other, he doesn't really have that much experience. Yeah, I know he's been an assistant. He, I mean, he's been with Montreal. He's been with that uh, junior league. But at the same time, Keith Jones doesn't have any any real experience either, but I think the cohesive collectiveness, if you will, that it's going to come with, especially with Taurus involved, I I, I think it's going to work. I really do. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Flyers fan, I'm being optimistic, but I just like what I'm hearing right now, and I really, I just like, I look at Brie and I'm like, you just look like a, a good gm like you you see yeah. like you would get on a phone and not get fleeced you know what i mean it just i don't Dude, know it's he, a feeling it's a gut feeling with him
1: he, he might be our our version of kyle dubis when it's I, when I'm it's hoping. all said and done that's the swing they're going for yeah when they take it and i was i was listening to that same Tortorella interview i mentioned earlier and he talked about danny breer and he was like you know he's really really unassuming. like you really th- you think he's sweet you think he's uh He's got the baby face. He's like, nah, but that man has some serious conviction behind closed doors. And I
0: love
1: that. That that yeah, no, I absolutely love that, dude. It's it's like it's storybook. Like every Flyers fan wants it to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Like if Keith Jones and Danny Briere bring you to bring you to glory, I mean that is storybook.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and for Keith, once we found, I'm sorry. No, yeah. Once we found out that the president of hockey ops was just going to be more of an earpiece for the GM and less of a decision maker then this decision just makes a world of sense. I mean, you have a guy who has connections everywhere. Those broadcast meetings, you get more information in the, than a lot of rooms around the NHL, I swear to God. Like, yeah. Keith Jones probably has so much information, and he's seen the way franchises have built teams, uh, Colorado, Tampa. And he mentions these teams whenever he does these interviews and talks about building the skill through the draft backloading veterans and then getting your big fish when you've set the cap up in the right place. And these are all things that we love to hear as Flyers fans cuz I think the Flyers were operating under that that delusion of the past like oh we have so much money we could just go out and fix things. Like yeah. no, you have you have to build this the right way. Like this is why these small markets are overtaking you. This is why a Florida Panthers are able to overtake you. Mm-hmm. It's because of the hard salary cap. So you have to adjust and build your team properly and we just haven't for since its inception, forever, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: another thing, maybe this is just me being optimistic because we haven't had a lot of things to be optimistic about in the last what seven years since we were in high school. But looking at it now, hearing everything that I've heard within the last couple of weeks, I really, I'm glad they didn't go out and, and and hire a Shiro to be the president of hockey ops. I'm I'm glad it's not some like old hockey guy who like does things the The old way and kind of controls Breer. I want Breer to have the space and have the freedom to do what Breer wants to do. At the same time, have somebody to go up and talk to. And I think Keith Jones is the perfect guy to have there because I mean he's already talking about how we need to revamp the defense. We need to build from within. That's how you win in today's modern NHL is developing talent. And that's like the another main thing that he keeps saying. We have sucked. I mean, he's been so honest with us. Let's go back on that. He's been so honest with us since his announcement. But the development has sucked, right? And he admit that. And he's been so open with that and the defense and just. I think it's kind of like perfect to be honest, man. I'm not even saying that because I'm so optimistic, but I really do think it's a it's a very going to be a very cohesive unit. And then you have Torts there to deal with the kind of on ice thing, and then throw his opinion in there too. I like it. I like it. I'm not. I'm not mad at it at
1: all. I mean, Dan Hillford. He said it in. I think it was one of the YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not not entirely sure, but he said, "I know nothing about hockey." Like he openly said it. Yeah. He said, "I know nothing about hockey. That decision is up to them," and that's good. I don't want an owner who acts like he knows hockey. I want this guy over this guy. Yeah, like, I don't that, want that, Jerry Jones, yeah. who's
0: like in the draft room, being like, "I want this guy because I don't know, because he's like the." the the a popular guy nationally at the moment you know yeah. what i mean like just exactly just you just want
1: you want team builders mm-hmm. like like we were saying and and the same same thing applies to keith jones like culture builder yeah. like he mentioned letting leaks that previously would get out not letting them get out anymore letting information that would previously get out not, like it's little things like that where uh, this the president of hockey ops hire can really affect your organization and i think he has a great pulse on where to take us in that regard
0: With so, hope yeah jones i mean like i said i mean because leaks
1: get out here let's be oh, like yeah. let's be real like our leverage is gone four months before a trade because i <laughs> we know about it we know about it like we have known ivan Robs on the trade block forever
0: yeah i mean jvr has been trying to they've been trying to move yeah, jvr like, for five years Seems the like.
1: Kevin Hayes thing that got out immediately. Like, I mean, the Kevin Hayes, the Columbus. Like, yeah. I feel like we we this trade is going to happen in July, and we knew about it in March.
0: Honestly, I mean it. Very, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Like, it's either Columbus or Carolina, because I mean, I told you yesterday that he has his for sale. I'm pretty sure his penthouse is for sale or for lease or something like that. I saw it on Twitter, so I definitely think he's gone. But yeah, you're right. It's just been. It's been that way for a while now, right? Like a, a decade where it just seems like everybody in the league knows our move three years before it happens, like three hands before it happens, if you will. You know what I mean? It just seems like we've been on the back burner for so long, man. Just trying yeah, to it, like, catch up is what it seems, seems like, like. Everyone's
1: like. making out like bandits except <laughs> yeah. us. Like I look around the league every deadline, every summer, and I'm like,
0: what? I'm like, they got they got chit for that? <laughs> like, dude, like there should be. It's another guy. It took eight years to move, but finally happened. And it yeah, sounds like, weird like that, man.
1: It is. I mean it's it's almost like you have all the leverage until you have zero. Exactly. <laughs> like there's like until, there's no in between. Until
0: the GM's like, fuck you. I'm just I'm I'm done with the conversation and then kinda leave and you're just sitting there. There's like, gotta
1: be a group chat, wow. dude, and they're like they're like, these guys wanna move J- JVR bad. <laughs> we we can't let that happen. We gotta just keep fucking cha- uh refusing the offer. Making it I, worse I, for them.
0: I still look back at that and and get disgusted. No matter, I don't care what anybody says to me about how hard it was to move. I guarantee you, anybody other than Chuck Fletcher gets that done. And I'm not saying it's gonna make or break anything. I mean, he's gone. They're not bringing him back. That that money's off the books. But I mean, I, I, I just can't help but just to look back on that sometimes and just be be disgusted, like you said. It's just, I'm glad that Briere and, and Jones are here. If I don't know. It's yeah, like for it
1: to be air. Danny Briere, I mean, yeah, we're right. both we're both twenty three years old, so like I, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast loves Danny Briere, but like we grew up on Danny Briere. Danny Breer is our introduction to hockey, basically, like, and or introduction to meaningful high what what great hockey in the city could be. Like Danny Briere was my introduction to that, so that's why this is really like I really want this to work out.
0: The, the playoff performer we were just talking about that yesterday he would just be okay during the regular season and once the playoffs rolled around he just flipped the switch and turned into a different player man it was just so fun to watch and like you said full circle and if sport storybook if this actually works and happens um very very optimistic is the word for this podcast I guess we can keep throwing in there because At the end of the day, Dan, we haven't had a lot of things to be optimistic about. So I mean, well, we couldn't be we couldn't be until that happened. Yeah,
1: you know, they could do they could do anything. They could have went out and got Patrick Lina. Yeah, we'd be hyped, but let's be honest, we're not winning, Dick. Like (laughs) they had to do that. They did. They had to send that letter, do that press conference, Do all the media tour. That's step one. That's basically. I mean, obviously, there's more. That's basically
0: the the Rangers letter,
1: right? Yeah, I mean it's a little delayed because I feel like other teams do that in preparation of the, whereas the Flyers, they did that like two years into it. Yeah, because the last brass couldn't accept it, but this brass embraces it, so it's it's, but it's a little weird. Let's yeah. also be
0: honest: the the Rangers never actually rebuild. No, like people speak and talk about how like what they did as if they went through like a four year rebuild. The, the as if def- as if you can replicate it. You know, Absolutely. you can. There's no way in hell you could replicate it. Two guys, Panarin and Fox, pushed their way into New York. Fox literally said, "I'm not playing for anybody else but New York." Then you win the lottery with Lafreniere. Not that he has turned into anything. F- thankfully for our sake, I mean, could you imagine if they hit on a number one pick, any other number one pick from any other year, and uh, they're probably still playing right now, right? So I mean, I mean, I look at I look at a Jack Hughes.
1: That's what like I'm that, saying. That's the prime example of like your rival hitting the lottery, and now it's burning you for a long time.
0: Speaking of Lafreniere, just to go off topic real quick, me and Derek and Zach have been talking for the last couple of weeks about possibly, and I don't know why the Rangers would want to get rid of him because he's still so young and he's a restricted free agent, but if we can find a way to go and grab him, I think he's the perfect guy to bring in in the kind of situation that we're in. He's 23 years old. He's a, first, he's a former first-round, first overall pick. He's labeled as a quote-unquote bust right now. I mean, how many guys, I mean, we have, we've seen a couple of guys this year that were labeled bust by this fan base that finally broke out. You got Frost who finally had almost 50 points, of uh, what, 42 points I think he had this year. But I think that that's in the position that they're in now. I mean, if you're rebuilding and bringing in a player that is young, has a, a quote-unquote bust label on a team that is looking to contend, and doesn't really have time to develop a player like that, I mean, I think that would be a perfect kind of situation. But I don't see why the fuck they would want to get rid of him, and I don't see why they would want him to go to Philly. Go to so.
1: Philly, yeah. It's much lower scale. I mean, look at Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett's an yeah, Exactly. that.
0: Like that, that's, that is the type of project that they, they need to be bringing in this year. You need at least two or three guys, forward and defense included, that are under 25 years old, and are quote unquote like Owen Tippett projects where you're look, Morgan Frost projects where you're looking at them and you're like you see the raw skill you see the flashes of talent but they haven't put it together yet and that's the type of player that I want to go after this this summer but you you mentioned the Rangers and I just automatically thought I'd laugh I had to get it off my yeah. chest
1: oh yeah if we were to be involved uh large scale like in the offseason that that's the move yeah
0: yeah absolutely
1: outside of that obviously nothing tremendous is going to happen in in the upcoming future but um i'm excited for the summer i really am yeah i think think there's going to be some moves that happen because dude and i am sorry i keep referencing this tortorella interview but he Mm -hmm. he said it straight up in that interview he was like i'm gonna be honest like and he's been saying this but the the way he said it here was was, was crazy to me he was like i'm gonna be honest he's like it's just as simple as we gotta take some people out of that room like because they were talking about the first year and he was like yeah i feel like we've made some progress on how how to coach certain players and he's like because i came in here with a clean slate not knowing what guy responds well to what this that and the others he's like i feel like i got a good sense of that he's like some guys he's like i i bickered with he's like but next year we're gonna come back and we might be better for it but there's some guys that i'm I'm just gonna take out (laughs) and uh we all kind of have a hunch on who that is. But another thing is, dude, him and Tony D'Angelo clearly had a shouting match. Oh, something at happened, the end of, 100%. And I just really wonder what happened. Because, because Tortorella said there was three three occasions this year where guys came back at him in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, yelled at him back in the room. And I I, I assume one of those was Tony. Uh, I just, I don't know, I'm Snoopy, dude. I would love to know more yeah. about some of that.
0: <laughs> so, absolutely. I don't want to speculate or anything and... Everybody, take this with a grain of salt. But I'm pretty sure I saw something on Twitter, like right when the season ended, like maybe the week of, that said that 100% something that happened within the locker room between Torts and uh, D'Angelo, but it's never going to come out because no one's going to talk about it and they want to keep it yeah. in the locker room. And I <laughs> Bro, that's a Twitter.
1: That. That's what Toro actually had me dying. That's what he said, too. He was like, and a lot's been made of, of Tony sitting the last five games. He's like, and you guys have been all over my ass about that. He's like, <laughs> he's like so clearly something happened, right? And they all were like, yeah, yeah, nod his head. And he's like, you'll never know. I was like, oh, my God, he's playing with them.
0: And, like, that's how you build a culture. Like, keep it uh, – m- I'm sorry. <laughs> putting guys in a position where you can – go up to them and kind of get into it with them and then let it get out and kind of use that. Because, like, some coaches go out to the media and, like, try to play games and use it as, like, an underlining thing. But I I think keeping it, yeah, like keep it in the locker room and, like, not exposing a guy to the media after a bad game and being able to be like, okay, yeah, you can yell at my face, but, like, I respect that kind of thing. And I feel like that's. Where you have to kind of weed out and see who is gonna be able to do that and who's not, and I think he knows. Obviously,
1: <laughs> I really respect it because this fan base, for the most part, loves Tortorella and everything he says. We eat up, we love. It's yeah. like, oh, he's spitting facts. But um, I don't know. For him to just like defend his guys like that, like he easily could take, and I feel like most coaches do. They take the easy route out, like it's it appeal to the fans. I'm going to appeal to the fans, I'm going to appeal to my higher-ups, my front office. It's not my fault. But I love it when he when he just like he owns it. He's with the team, he defends the guys even when the media is almost like pushing him into the pool. Like, yo, Sanheim was awful tonight, right? 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 And he's like, "Dude, just stop asking me that question. You saw it for yourself." Yeah. I love it I used I loved it when he said that all year. He's like, "Cuz they would try to get him to dunk on players." And it's like, "I get it. It's your job like" And if a player had a bad game, you've got to address it. But it's also, but like he you, can respond to it any way he'd like to, and that's how he chose to respond to it.
0: But you need Tortorello to, to to dunk on Travis Sandheim, to, to write about Travis Sandheim being bad that night? Like, go watch the game. I mean, you, you watch the game for yourself. Go write the story about how he was bad. You don't need John Tortorello to turn around and tell you that Travis Sandheim is bad because it's never going to happen. And and it happened more than once this this season with with the media in the Philadelphia with with the Flyers. It's not going to happen. You're never going to see that man dunk on one of his players the way you guys want to so you can go write a story. I just don't understand. You you watched the game. You saw how bad Travis Sandheim had. Like, he was bad last year. You you don't need John Tortorello to do, say whatever you want him to say to write a story. To do your job, essentially. Right? Am I wrong for that?
1: Uh, no, I agree. I mean, we've said it all year. I completely agree. Yeah. I, I mean, just... I I personally think Tortorella a response like that. If I'm a media member and Tortorella gives me like some kind of jab back or a response where I'm like, Yo, like, why... why is he coming at? Why is he <laughs> coming at me? That's more of a story. That's more of a clickbait, if you will, than if he just said we were bad tonight. Like no one wants to see. Actually, it's refreshing, really. Like no one wants that cookie cutter answer. Yeah. No one wants that that break down the sanheim goal for me to me honestly (laughs) i i watch his interviews more because of moments like that so i don't know i feel like the story kind of writes itself i mean the guy's a walking quote just write what he says and people will click on it even if it's negative even if it's at you uh, go watch the game for yourself that's that come on put that in there but that's john tortorella like that is interesting that is that's spicy like i don't know Maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. No, you're
0: but. not. I mean, dude, if I was able to be in there and ask questions and John Torello told me to go watch the tape instead of asking him a dumb question, I would write a blog and be like, John Torello told me to go watch the fucking tape and just make, like you said, it's more of a a, a clickbait kind of thing if he tells you to basically just go fucking watch tape. I mean, that's funny. I, like you said, he's a walking quote. I just don't oh, understand. Like,
1: we would have so much fun with oh, that. Man. we yeah. I could just see, like, the Derek article now. He'd be like, so I did. And then he would, like, break down, like, ten different pieces of tape. I love Derek, dude.
0: Derek, you're de- He's definitely going to be listening to this, but that I can definitely see something like that happen. That's funny as shit. Derek and fucking torts going back and forth at each other. I would love to see that. <laughs> Another
1: player he mentioned was Joel Faraby. He said Faraby gets a clean slate for him next season. He said they had a lot of issues in the beginning of the season. Um, he, he knew it was rough on him coming back from the injury, but he said that they were they had a lot of verbal disagreements early in the season, but later in the season, when especially when Joel's play began to pick up, they were really like lockstep. So he was the um, other one, huh? He was the, the well. Because do you remember that he reco- like there was like reports yeah. that he may have been uh, going to his agent. Yeah, he
0: blocked us, so I do remember <laughs> that. <laughs> during that little period. come on, Joel. Uh,
1: but but he's another guy, man. Like if you can get him back hmm. on the trajectory that he was on, like that's that's just that's huge. I
0: mean, yeah, any rational Flyers fan this year. I mean, we made our jokes, but at the end of the day. Uh, Last year was a not a free pass, but a, hey, if you're not Joel Ferry this year, it's okay. I mean, the, the surgery that he that he got wasn't, I mean, he was on the ice the summer because I remember reading reports that he was skating, but he definitely wasn't able to have the, the same kind of training. I mean, lifting weights, all that kind of stuff the way he probably would have, I mean, wanted to. So, yeah, last year was definitely not a wash, but a, hey, clean slate, come in, do your thing. I mean, he, he's an important piece to the future. I mean, he's been making $5 million for the next what, 3, 4 years. So, he's a he's an important guy. Just like Morgan Frost is an important guy. Just like Cam York, Owen Tippett, Travis Konechny. I mean, these are guys that are they're going to be here. They're they're under 25 and a clean slate for Faraby is definitely the best the best thing for him and the organization because you're not going to get anything from him if you're going to look to trade him like, no one's going to try to overpay for Joel Faraby right now. So, even exploring a trade makes no sense so clean slate is is an, a, a green check in my book i like that move
1: he's one of those uh like i shouldn't say house money because he has a decent contract but he's kind of one of those house money guys for me like i i group uh because there's going to be cutter and this pick cutter and this pick are going to be the faces at least I would assume they're they're going to be the faces I mean, of the future.
0: If anything work, I'm sorry to cut you off, but everything, if everything works out the way we want it to, yeah, the, Cutter and the, this pick coming up are going to be the two yeah. guys that take us into the new era. Absolutely.
1: Well, I guess I should say that they should be the two with the highest ceilings, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, if Frost breaks out and proves that he's a 70, 80 point guy and improves on last year, then if we hit. The, then we have three of guys that are yeah. kind of it's, it's just there's a lot of thing possibilities Danny it's not all said, dark
1: no it's not and like maybe I'm just at the point this summer or at the point in the off season where I'm just starting to hype myself up for nothing but I'm just thinking about like the the forward group especially if they grab one here like let's just say you get Cutter Dvorsky uh Frost Tippett. I mean, you talk about Owen Tippett. Like, he's a guy who probably should have thirty next year. I mean, he had twenty-seven. You have to think. Like, I mean, he might regress a bit, but I mean, all signs to me would point towards oh, this player is getting more comfortable. He finally has a team he's comfortable with, and with coach he's comfortable with. He gets playing time. Yeah, coach I would have him. to think he's going. Yeah, loves him. I would have to think he's only going to continue to take steps. And then you think about Tyson Forrester, yeah, Bobby Brink, Joel Faraby, like. There's 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 some depth in that pipeline. It's I a mean, lot it,
0: on that right side, man.
1: It was just it always was about getting the top. It was the cherry on top. You you got to get that that box office piece at the top and the rest of the pipe. But it seems like if they get that, they do have some like some depth underneath yeah. to really work with, and to keep developing because they keep stressing like we need to fix our development. It's been an issue here for a long time and it has. I mean, you talk about like a lot of these players on this team should have been better than they are by now. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just the reality of it. Like Provrov, what he was projected to be, Konechny just hit 30 this year yeah. when I think he could have hit 30 four, 4 3 years ago. I mean, Faraby, Faraby as well. I mean, it seems like his consistency issues have only gotten worse. Like he, his sophomore year he was money. Uh obviously the injury it
0: goes back to what Keith Jones says and how bad they've been at developing. I mean, that's been his main one of the main vocal points of his message in the last week and a half is we have to get better at developing. The drafting itself hasn't been terrible, but it's just developing them after getting drafted and putting them in spots to succeed has just been terrible. And I'm glad that's another spot just a really dark spot that's been hovering over this team for the last 10 years that he's immediately shown shown a light on. It's just, it's extremely, like I said, to begin the podcast, weightlifting for me personally, just to see him just shine lights on things that I feel like, I felt like I was sitting here being, going crazy over, you know what I mean? But um. yeah, Kota Gauthier and this pick, is it's huge, man. It really is because, like, like you said, we do have the depth. Like, Do I think Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost are going to be star players, 90-point, 80-point players? Probably not, but, I mean, there's a possibility there. But I think they're going to be good depth guys behind guys that could be the guys, <laughs> if that makes sense. I said guys a lot there. But good depth guys in front of the two superstars that we need is what I'm trying to say. So, I th- yeah, man, like, there's light,
1: right? Yeah. Like, dude, Tyson Forrester, I mean, he, he the only reason he falls under the radar is just because there's so many other players to talk about, and he only came up for about eight games, yeah. and this year was always, like, about the young guys anyway. So there was definitely other young guys to hone in on and focus on. But,
0: like, dude, that's a guy. Yeah, <laughs> like. Absolutely. I mean, this was his first healthy full year. I mean, he's been injured with that shoulder the last two years in and out of lineups, just constantly hurt, to be honest. And this was his first go at it with the Phantoms and the Flyers as a pro without being injured. And he was fucking awesome, man. Like, he was first in points on the Phantoms. He had seven points in his first eight NHL games with us. Showed off that shot. I mean, he genuinely has, and I'm not just saying this, one of the best shots I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's ridiculous. (laughs) If that's the only elite quality that he has, he'll be a 20-goal scorer in the league. If his skating's ass and he really just can't keep up with NHL talent, you just put him on a power play and let him shoot, and he'll score 20 because it's that good of a shot. So it's really exciting because he is a guy, and he doesn't really get the the light shown on him that he should. But I think the seven points in eight games that he just put up and what he's going to do hopefully coming up here – it's special because I mean he's a guy that me and Derek talk about all the time that the the development that he's made since being drafted the playmaking has translated since from when he was a junior playing with um in there skating is as if it, I mean it's not the best right now but it's certainly it, it's improved and it's not going to hinder him so I it just it's really exciting it really is uh him and him and uh Gauthier, uh Gauthier on their walls on the power play is something that I've been thinking about since three four months ago after i saw cutter and the world juniors just blasting shots from the from the dot on the wall
1: <laughs> and john's glowing reviews for tyson forester like i've never heard him talk about a player at least in this organization i have yet to hear him talk about a player quite like that there's like he always has some kind of negative to toss in there i mean all, all good honest coaches do i guess but with him it's like Nah, he's just straight blushing, dude.
0: Yeah, right? He,
1: he loves what he saw out of. Whatever he saw, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we just read the point totals. Like, trust me, we know Tyson Forster was great, but he definitely mm. saw something in there that gave him a ton of promise on this guy. And I'm so excited to see it. Like, if you think about it, if, if say, you get, like, a Dvorsky, a Benson, like, if Cutter and him become top line guys and you get uh, a Frost, Tippett, a Farabee, let's say they become like decent second line guys. And then you can get like a, a, a Forster included. And then you can get like a, a Kate Brink Desnoyers yeah. to eventually round out your depth down the line. Like there's it, – it's definitely exciting to think about. And there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. And the le- this is the last time I'm going to mention that interview. But he said he has written a lineup for when he – the team is – if the team is fully healthy and he makes the subtractions – he thinks that we're gonna make in the off season, so I, I wish I could see that oh, lineup. I would, oh my, I would love, oh my god, I would love to see that lineup because I would love to see who he has penciled out of it. I'd love yeah, to
0: yeah. see who he has penciled into it. Where they're at, I would pay a lot of money to see that fucking list, dude. I'm not even being, I'm not even kidding. That's a list I, that list and the their uh, their draft ranking list is the two lists that I need to like sneak into the skate zone and steal from Breer's Not office. under Jonesy's watch. Yeah, right? Not under Jonesy's watch. <laughs> he's gonna have guards at the door standing there. Like, Chuck nah. would've
1: let us in. Yeah, Chuck you would've... You would've been like, that's T-L-Y.
0: Yeah, Chuck would've dad us out with the Cresco in his hand, bro. What's up? <laughs> what's up? I'm thinking about another Tony D'Angelo trade. Like, dude, put the pen down. Yeah. Uh, what do you think he's doing?
1: Oh, he's on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Probably with Dave Scott. <laughs> probably... Probably at the same mountain house. <laughs> Speaking of Cutter Gauthier,
0: because we've been talking about him with the whole Forrester thing, but I think this is timely that we can kind of get into a deep dive with him. Because he is at the World Hockey Championships, Danny, and he is one of the youngest player in the entire tournament. And he is ninth in points and then second in goals. So, I mean, he's just been incredible, to put it lightly. Yeah, I mean, he's just been one of the best players in the tournament as a 19-year-old. So, um, I know it's not against the best competition, especially in the preliminary rounds, but it's better than him not doing this, right? Like, I don't understand that logic with some people. Like, would you rather him not be doing this or would you rather him be doing it? Because I would personally rather him be scoring goals and leading the entire tournament with 40 shots on net in seven games. Like, that's what I want. I don't know if you would rather him... Have zero points? Like, I I don't understand the logic there.
1: Those people are weirdos. Let them be. Like I, I've come <laughs> to realize that like I, I just don't think they care or follow the team as much as yeah. And trust me, I'm not someone to get, like. You can follow as however much you want. Like I, I really don't. I'm not that kind of person. Like oh, you gotta be a diehard. Mm-hmm. But like I you could kind of tell some people who like dude we're fans of the Philadelphia flyer We want the Philadelphia Flyers to win. Any steps taken towards that happening positively, like we're going to react positively towards that, you would think anyone who f- who watches every game, follows the team, would would want the product to be better. But what that tells me is that th- these people are just checked out. That they-, they see these tweets and they're like, "Oh, classic Flyers, uh, hiring another ex-flyer, haha." And it's like, dude, you don't even watch this team.
0: Yeah,
1: like you really don't. Like you spent all, you just watch Phillies games. Like, and it's fine. Like you, you can tune in when they're good. That's cool. But, like, when it comes time for conversations like this and what the fans really want, uh, it's, I don't know. I've I've come to realize that I just don't think some people care. I just think some
0: people, I mean, company, Missouri likes company. That's the saying, right? So, I mean, just these people, I mean, and, and you get it. I mean, we look back on the last 10 years and how bad it's really been. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't know how people, how some people sit there and just all doom and gloom all the time. Like, how do you look at your best prospect, put up the points that he's, putting up and putting up the shots that he's putting up and just being really good in a tournament where he's playing men as a 19-year-old and it's just the fact that you can be negative about that like seven games played six goals two assists eight points plus 10 with 40 shots on goal and that leads the tournament he's been on the ice for 10 goals four and zero against like I I want my prospect to be doing that. I, I, I'm gonna be excited about that. And if you're gonna have a problem with that, then like don't listen to us. Don't follow us. You know what I mean? I just don't understand the, the process yeah. of letting people know that you're not excited about it. Like okay. Especially
1: for him. Like like a Morgan Frost, like I can understand. Like I gave the haters a lot of shit, but at the end of the day, late first rounder, definitely was some question marks. Like oh, yeah. I can see the skepticism with a player like this, like Cutter feels inevitable. Like, it, it really feels like he's going to go back to, to B.C., him and Ryan Leonard. They're, they're just going to destroy college for a year. <laughs> and then whenever he shows up to the NHL, I, a dude, I think he's going to just take off like he never left college. Like, I, I, he, it remains to He has
0: to an NHL shot right now. Like, he could play in October coming up and be fine. Like, his shot is really, really, really good. And... Speaking of Ryan because I was literally just about to say something about him a uh, 10 minutes ago, but we've been talking about Dvorsky and Benson, and I I would absolutely take Benson in a heartbeat, but I always go back to the fact that I would, I mean, how cool would it be if we drafted one of Leonard or uh, Will Smith at seven, and they went to BC with Cutter, tore up college hockey, and then both turned pro, uh, both turned pro in April. Like, that would be so cool to have yeah, two guys.
1: That's your duo. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's your one, two, dad. Like, for the next ten years, man. Yeah,
0: dude. Like, seriously. It's just like, that's a ex- really ex- an exciting thing to think about. Because if that happens, if we draft one of those guys, I am going to be watching BC games probably more than I'm going to be watching Flyers games. And I I, mean, I, don't, and I don't care if that's a controversial thing to say, because I will be watching Ryan Leonard or Will Smith with Cutter Gauthier. So, I always go back to that. I always go back to the fact that, like, that would be really fucking cool to see. But it's probably Zach Benson if he's there. Because, I mean, I would be running up to the podium. If Mitchkov is there, it's got to be Mitchkov, 100%. I wouldn't be, man. Like, Dvorsky, there's so many picks that are good picks at that spot, man. That really excites me. Because I don't. I, I think people who are so miserable, not to, like, really harp on these people. Because they're, they're not a lot. It's, it's a far and between, it's like, a handful of people.
1: Bro, I mean, I'm, bro, I'm miserable. Like, yeah. dude, I'm a miserable guy, but you don't see me bitching and moaning on the timeline every day. I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I I could definitely see why, but I don't know. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for this clean look. Danny Briere, Jones, the draft coming up. We're going to get a good player, and I think – like I was about to say, these people are so miserable and like they're so in the fog of that darkness that they don't realize that we're going to get a good player here. Like It's not Connor Bedard. Yeah, it's not Adam Fantilli. And it's probably not going to be Leo Carlson. But this is one of the deepest drafts in the last decade. We are going to get a very good player. And with Conor Gauthier doing what he's doing, it's... How could you not be optimistic? Because, like you said, these are potentially two guys that are going to be the face of the franchise for the next 10 years, hopefully, if the pick, if the right pick is made. So we'll see because, I mean, as much as we're giving shit with Chuck Fletcher, his drafts, looking good. I mean, he's the one who drafted Kota Gauthier, right? He's the one who drafted Tyson Forrester. He's the one that drafted Cam York. He's the one that drafted Emil Andre. He's the one that drafted Bobby Brink. I mean, and that's Flair, too. And Flair's still here, so I do have confidence that they're going to make the right pick. Because I I think recently, especially since Flair has taken over as like the draft guy, they have been able to develop, I mean, to recognize talent. Now it's time to develop that talent with Cam York, with Tyson Forrester, with Kota Gauthier. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for that seventh pick. I'm not afraid to say it. Like, I'm optimistic. And it's, it's fun to be optimistic again, because I mean, we've been in a, in a rut for the last what four years of just so fucking just I, visual- I mean
1: I mean we're 23 mm-hmm. I've been I've I'd say like locked into the, the intricacies of the team like everything since I was 13 and I've loved the team since I was a little kid but yeah. I've never had this feeling in my entire fandom that I I do feel like one day down the line in this process I'm going to get the team I always wanted it's not now. It's not next year. It might not even be three, four years. I just feel like at some point down the line, I'm fine. It feels different. I'm finally gonna get a team that I could be like, yo, I think we're gonna win. I, I, we'll see. But the but the mediocrity, the Giroux era, with the Vorach, that core, cool. I ne- just you just never had that feeling. It was just always a terrible feeling. It really was. Yeah. All you. those seasons, like you, it would be December and the team had a losing record. They'd go on a run. January, February, March barely squeak in or just barely miss the playoffs. And it went it went that way for about like 10 years. So I want to get back to winning, man. I haven't seen the Flyers win a real playoff series like I don't count the bubble. I haven't seen the Flyers win a real Stanley Cup playoff series since I was 12, 13 years old. And that's really what it boils down to. And now it feels like I'm finally going to get a team that could do it down the line with or, this front office or
0: at least you finally have the confidence or the optimism in the front office to do the job because that's yeah, where yeah, i'm yeah.
1: at yeah yeah, no, that's a great way of of wording it because that's really where i was at in like 2021 2022 it's like where do you start like i, like I said earlier in the episode where do mm-hmm. you start in this process of healing and it felt like for a while well maybe they just won't get out of it at least that's how i, like, I started to feel after a while maybe maybe this is they're just destined to be me- mediocre forever yeah. but they like- finally nut it up and, and uh, committed to a process and that's what you have to do yeah. enough band-aids you can't band-aid something that is uh, like a cut that's too big you gotta get a cast for that bro like you you can't like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying.
0: It's not even a cut, man. I think it was a fucking wound. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Straight broken
0: bone. Right, dude? For sure. Trying to
1: put a Band-Aid on a broken leg.
0: But the, uh, to go back to cut uh, to cut negotiate real quick, that World Hockey Championship performance, although, like I said, the preliminary hearings aren't the best competition, but, I mean, you would still like to see him do it, right? It's still nice. I mean, it just watching him on that stage. With a Flyers logo next to him when, like, the graphics pop up. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I like having a guy in, like, a national tournament where everybody's watching. And it's our guy doing the cool thing. And not the fucking Ducks guy. With the Devils. Something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or wait, Columbus. The fucking Florida Panthers have him? Like, how many times have you said that to yourself in the last three years? Saren Saren Dovish, Sharon something. He was on Michigan. He scored an overtime winner, and I'm like, "Yo, that shot was disgusting." This kid's played really well uh, this this game. I'm like looking him up. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he just got drafted in the first round. I'm like, who has him? Who has him? Florida. And I feel like that's been something that's been happening for the last six years. Where I'm just like looking at watching national games, World Hockey Championships, or World Juniors, and it's just like. Oh, that guy's good. Oh, he's skilled. Oh, uh, he's a Ranger. Oh, uh, he's a fucking Calgary Flame. Like, what? Or,
1: dude, I remember like like Braden Point has come up. I was like, oh, my God. They <laughs> they really got another player,
0: bro. I know. Braden Point. I mean, Tam- you see John Cooper on TNT? Yeah. The panel. That was awesome, I thought. I mean, I thought he brought a really cool perspective to that table that we don't really see. I just thought TNT does a really good job. I mean, TNT, the basketball side with Shaq and all them, they do a really good job. Like they're extremely entertaining. So I think it's like a high, a high bill to kind of stand up to, if you will, for the hockey side. But I mean, I think they do a pretty good job with it because it's entertaining.
1: And honestly, I just love John Cooper. Like, there's a lot of people out there that Man. think he's like, yeah, they hate him. They think he's corny. But I, I think when I really Started to love John Cooper was his when they played Toronto last year when they won, and he gave a speech to them. I think it was either after Game Five or Game Six, and they had won two cups. and the The story in the maybe they're the the Stanley Cup hangover. Maybe it's finally catching up to them. And he like gave them a like spirited speech, like Yo, you're at the door of greatness. Why the fuck are you knocking? Break that shit down. And they ever like they've won like two series convincingly after that, and. Uh, I love John
0: Cooper I do He knows what to say Right He knows how to get yeah. The boys going and He's just a good coach And well, I mean, a lot of people Are going to Come back At that And be like Well I could coach That team Look at who's on the team Blah 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 But I mean That's bullshit At the end of the day He's a good coach One of the best In the NHL And I just Thought it was really cool That TNT Brought him on And I thought he fit Like he fit really well Like it didn't really see, Like I know he's used To talking To the media Like on TV but I really did felt like he was kind of a natural. I was like, "Damn, he's just kind of chilling up there, <laughs> kind of vibing, if you will." <laughs> Definitely. Speaking of those playoff series in TNT, we got Vegas and Dallas tonight. What's that series at? Two O Vegas. Looking fucking mm. Vegas, and those games have been close too. The, 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 those OT. Have both been overtime games. So I mean, that's that sucks for Dallas if we're being serious.
1: Dude, that Carolina series is the closest 3 nothing series I've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. First game's 3-2 Panthers and and quadruple overtime. Uh, game two is 2-1 Panthers in single overtime. And uh, then the last game's a one nothing game. I mean, they were just playing suffocating defense with Bob standing on his head. I mean, that's how you win oh, playoff yeah. games. That's what we it, said. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we been on this podcast, Danny, and said all you need is your goal to catch fire in the playoffs and everything comes into place you can do. when we saw it with montreal a couple years ago i mean it happens all the fucking time it's yeah not they have just, the
1: exact model yeah of like of i mean dude like it makes sense like they weren't the best regular season team and like it, that makes sense mm-hmm. like that team maybe gets more penalties called on them in the regular season they don't play that way and i actually there was the keith kachuk comment that they played soft and and ever since then they started playing harder shit like that
0: speaking of kachuk
1: but they're just built
0: Oh, they're definitely built for it. But Matthew Kachuk is a fucking monster, dude. He's a top five player in the league. I don't, I don't yeah, care if that's a hot take. I don't easy. care. Best,
1: best American top five, easy. He is easy. not even close.
0: Fucking unreal, dude. I mean, if you were to go I, into a lab, it goes no gap.
1: Go I'm sorry. It goes Matthew Kachuk and then like dash 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 Austin Matthews. Facts. <laughs> Where's Jack Hughes? Facts. Jack Hughes, yes, yes, yes. He might even be above Matthews. Yeah.
0: Ooh, spicy. But no, seriously, like Matthew Kachuk has been so fucking entertaining this playoffs. And the fact that he's scoring OT goals and then just going straight into the locker room, I find that fucking hilarious. Like if, if I was a Florida fan or if he was on the Flyers doing that, could you imagine? Not that I make everybody sad listening to this, but could you imagine having Oh, Matthew that's what Kachuk? I imagine.
1: Oh, When I watch him play, I'm like, that's, he should be a Flyer. Oh, he's a perfect
0: Flyer. He's the prototypical like, Flyer.
1: And Tortorella, like, oh my god! Dude. Just seeing the way he responds to Paul Maurice, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, dude, dude, he should be a
0: flyer. I was just gonna say, if you were gonna go into a lab and create a Flyers player, a prototypical Flyers player, out would call Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, something, a guy who is a winner,
1: teammates love him, everyone in the fan base loves him. There's yeah. no like, oh, he's a bad captain. Oh, he doesn't get the guys fired up. All that weird narrative shit that we love here in this market doesn't happen with Matthew Kachuk. It's just unanimous love. Statues.
0: And because of Matthew Kachuk, I seriously think Ryan Leonard is going to uh, skyrocket, if not skyrocket because he's already high, but I think he's going to go higher than a lot of people think, like maybe fifth, sixth, because of guys like Matthew Kachuk. Because if there's a guy in this draft, that you look at and go, okay, you look like Matthew Kachuk, you play like Matthew Kachuk, like I could see your play style transitioning over to the NHL as a Matthew Kachuk tight is Ryan Leonard. So, is he
1: this year's cutter?
0: Yeah. Him and Dvorsky have been this year. I think it's a group of three guys. I think it's a I think it's Dvorsky I think it's Oliver Moore, and I think it's Ryan Leonard. If you could if you pick any one out that has Skyrocketed the most, I probably would say Leonard, but yeah, Reiner, Leonard's definitely one of them because I mean he wasn't, especially in the beginning of the year, he wasn't even thought of to go top ten. He's a hundred percent going to go top ten in this draft, and yeah, I mean yeah, I like I said, I always go back to thinking about him and goche and BC together. It's just, I mean, because he's right-handed. So,
1: if you don't mind me asking, where was he ranked at the beginning of this year?
0: I think like mid mid teens late 20s, like early 20s, and then he kind of has – he's just come up steadily within the rankings. He's just – there's nothing about Ryan Leonard's game that you look at and you're like, that's not going to translate. He can skate. His shot's one of the best in the draft. He'll hit you in the chin. He loves playing with contact. He's he's not dirty, but he's nasty. Great playmaker. I think he's underrated in terms of playmaking. and He's just – Really good player all around. Like, he's a guy that's going to play on the PK. Um, He's just solid, man. I really do. Like, he's a guy that that could definitely be a target. Because, I mean, I was thinking about it the other day. There are guys that I like. Like, Benson, I would take. Will Smith, I would take. But you never know. Like, Danny Briere and Flair could have a list. And fucking Oliver Moore could be fourth on it. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I get in I get in a back and forth with a guy on Twitter. Time. It happened. We saw it more insider a couple years ago. I get in back and forth with people on Twitter, and they're like, "No, he would never go that high. Fucking TSN rankings doesn't have him that high." I'm like, "Do you understand that every fucking team has their own rankings?" And I it, fucking Andrew Christel, who I love, could be seventh on other teams' list just because of how skilled he is. Like, yeah, he has the skating concerns, but if he gets better in that retrospect. He's the best playmaker in the draft behind Bedard. Like, it's. I do think Ryan Leonard is on a handful of teams' lists at five, at four. I really do think so. Because, I mean, we talked about how deep this draft is and how many solid guys are going to be within the one to nine to ten range. They can go either way. I mean, Derek said it best today. At the end of the day, just pick one of them. They're all going to be good. They're all going to be good players, a no matter how good they're going to be and how much you like them. So, if you like Ryan Leonard, go get him, dude. You know? If you like Oliver Moore and he, how he's the best skater in the draft by far, and how he reminds you of Dylan Larkin, go get him. If you like Taylor Dvorsky because you can't take the puck off his stick when he's on the boards, and he plays like Leon Draisaitl Light, go get him. He has one of the best shots in the draft as well. Like, it's just a lot of... A lot of ways you can go here, man. It really is. Yeah,
1: and it's it's not a not a difficult spot to be in. Like for the most part, the front of the board is kind of gonna dictate what what, uh, what kind of pool of players falls your way. Like yeah. I was looking at a Montreal fan on Twitter the other day, and he was like, "I almost kind of envy you guys because there's there's so much more pressure on yep. my team at five to get this right, mm-hmm. and
0: Absolutely. if they
1: get it wrong, and someone goes six or seven and becomes a stud, which is very like." realistically could happen. Um, I Yeah, and I agreed with him. I never thought about it like that, but it, it's absolutely true.
0: Uh, it's a thousand percent true, and that's why I kind of, like, of course you want five, you want four or five or six, but I'm kind of, in a way, in retrospect, glad that we have seven, because I, I think, when it all comes, said and done, Danny, I think on draft day, when we're sitting, wherever the fuck we're sitting, watching, seven pops up, we're all going to know who we want. I think the board is going to fall in a way where it's just a no-brainer. It's going to be Miskov sitting there. It's going to be Benson sitting there or, or Smith. It's going to be a guy where everyone's just like, okay, there are three dudes up there that you could take that nobody cares if it's one or the other. You know what I mean? So I'm excited. I, don't th- I think we're in a position where it's just going to be kind of easy. I think Montreal, the Sharks... And um, Arizona have are going to have difficult picks because they're going to make the decision for us. Who are you going to pick before us? So we have the option, um, the opportunity to get the guy that fell, kind of thing. Like I personally think Leo Carlson goes second. I think he's at this point a little bit better than Adam Fantilli. I mean, he's absolutely unreal. I if I was the Ducks, I would go Carlson. I don't know if that's a hot take to most people, but. Not that that pushes anybody else down, but that that's already kind of a a, a shaking of the the draft, if you will, at number two. Because now a, a lot of people have Fantilli locked into two. I don't. I think it can go either way. So we'll see.
1: Uh, I I am jealous of the position Columbus is in.
0: Yeah, Columbus is going <laughs> to either get Mitchkov or Leo Carlson or Adam Fantilli. No matter how the board. Drafts. No matter yeah, yeah, yeah. what Anaheim does, uh, they're going to get Mitchkov, Carlson, or Fantilli. So,
1: they're cool. Like at that point, did you even lose the lottery? No,
0: you no. didn't. No, because I don't know if you read Derek's article today about his evaluating system that he does with prospects and that he made up. It's fucking awesome. Great article, and based on the system that he has, going through the attributes that prospects have going into the NHL. Like Dvorsky's second overall behind Fantilli. Then Carlson's third, but Dard's fourth. I think. Hold on. I have it right here. I have it right here. Give, be patient with me. Be patient with me. I th- I'm pretty sure that the order that I just said is the correct order, but my whole point is, like I said 10 minutes ago, there are going to be teams that have different types of boards. And based on Derek's board and... The system I cre- created, which is a pretty good system if you go and look at it, he has Adam Fantilli first, Leo Carlson second, Dale Bor third, Connor Bedard fourth, Mischoff fifth, Leonard sixth, Oliver Moore seventh, Smith eighth, and then Zach Benson ninth. So within this board, if everybody before us takes those guys, we would end up with Oliver Moore or Will Smith. So, I mean, I'll take it, right?
1: Yeah, like that is not a consolation prize at all. Not at all. Like
0: either we're gonna end up with a good fucking player, man. As long as I don't hear like Nate Danielson at seven, I won't lose my fucking mind. Like there's no scenario that I see happening in the next month where I'm losing my mind. So that's a good feeling. It's a good feeling no, we're gonna get a guy that I I really like. So it's exciting. I agree. Name. So for now it's it's just
1: I mean these are the dog days, right? Oh yeah, we're in the Nothing's yeah. going to happen now. Now it's just going to be you ride out the Stanley Cup playoffs. You go into the off season and then around June things pick up. I actually can't wait for June because you know late June the jersey's going to get revealed, uh the draft's going to happen, then the moves start. We finally get to see what Briere and company speaking, have in store for us.
0: Speaking of that, the jersey. I kind of forgot about that. I'm excited to see Whenever the fuck they drop that, but I mean, yeah. just to see the new color, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Before we, uh, before we leave off, who do you have Within these series? We got to talk about who we have real quick, because got the Florida series three zero, which I think. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you think.
1: Un- unfortunately, that that for Carolina, that is Florida. Uh, they're um, missing special. It, it's huh? so close. Yeah, but, dude, this kills Carolina all the time. Like, even when they're healthy, I feel like they just kind of – they get tapped out of the goal scoring. And I I saw Derek make a point in the regular season about – they're almost too skilled. Like, it gets in their mind that sometimes they don't just put on the simple shot. Yeah. And ever since he made that point and I tune into Carolina games, it has made a a ton of sense. And I agree. I think at a certain point they tap out of that goal scoring because – they're so skilled, they're so talented, and their chemistry is so... Like, the way they snap that puck around is insane. It's yeah. almost It almost could be a detriment to them at times.
0: Yeah. But that's my opinion. They've been weird. No, I mean, I agree. I saw a thread today on Twitter. They were talking about how, how many times are we going to just chalk it up to Carolina running into a hot goalie kind of thing. Because, I mean, this has been the story for Carolina since what, Danny? 2019? 2018? 12, yeah, 20, and it's it's always yeah.
1: impressive, like, sometimes grueler, but impressive first two series where you're like, whoa, this team can go on a run. Mm-hmm. Then they hit the conference finals, and it's like, what happened? Yeah,
0: and like, I'm not taking anything away from Sergei Bobrovsky. Like He has been absolutely incredible this year, standing on his uh, – I mean, this playoff, standing on his head, but at the same time, the same I, – I feel the same way about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, how many times are you going to chalk it up to a bad ref or – Getting stoned by a goalie for a series, like at a certain point, you, your guys have to break the fuck through. You have to go and win the game. Like, I don't like if I was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and what happened happened, and I saw what I saw on Twitter about somebody posting an expected goals stat about how like they were unreal. They should have. They should have scored their goals. Like, their expected goals for that game were really high. Like, at, at a certain point, get that shit out of my fucking face, man. Like, there, there's a time and a place to bring up those kind of stats. At playoff time, win the fucking game. Find a way to do it. I don't care how you do it. Florida does it. Look at the way they beat Toronto. The expected goals for Toronto and Florida that last game was lopsided in Toronto's favor. And Florida has done what? All fucking playoffs long. Find ways to win games. And that's what you do. That, that's how teams win. And Toronto has not been able to do it. Because their guys... I mean, let's be honest. I, I don't think that group is chalked up to win in the playoffs. They have to f- trade one of those four in Toronto. <laughs> not to get completely sidetracked. Cause it gets me heated thinking about them. I don't know why. But you got to trade one of those four guys. Because it's just they're not built to be together in the playoffs. I don't know if it's... I don't care if it's Morgan Riley or, or I think I think personally Austin Matthews makes the most sense because he's not resigning. I don't think, but we'll no, it's
1: the mix of personalities. Right. It's it's a team full of guys who who waited in the offseason for their contracts to be signed. Team full of guys who didn't show up to training camp until their contracts got signed until they got the dollar amount they wanted. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like it's a lazy take, but like I feel like that almost sets a a bad culture a off the hop
0: precedent Sorry, yeah president. a bad
1: precedent off the hop like if you have a bunch of guys who holding out to get this dollar amount and at, in some cases it's really not that big of a difference like maybe half a million you got guys holding out mm-hmm. instead of going back and like it just shows where their priorities are I don't know, cause like at the end of the day, if you're you're making ten plus million dollars, it's not like yeah, it's not like you're a,
0: gotta break the fuck through at some a point. A two
1: way contract, fucking minor league player. It's like no, like what? Why can't you take? It's eleven point five million. Why can't you take ten point seven? Like I don't know. Why did you have to cause such a stir? <laughs> or Marner getting ten point nine? Why couldn't you just take like nine point nine and just get just give everyone that like that win, like, oh, the the hometown kids signed for less, like, just give them the PR win, like, it's not me to, to pocket watch or anything, but, like, I mean, I look at the Boston Bruins, like, do th- you think those guys would hold out on each other? you think those guys would skip camp and then look Patrice Bergeron in the eye and be like, oh, I just wanted an extra
0: 50k? Like, no, dude, like, it's just, it's just different. Oh, that's actually a really fucking good point, dude. That's a really good point. That's a good take. I respect the fuck out of that take, because at the end of the day, I agree. I mean, like you said, are they going to walk in and look at Patrice Bergeron's face and say, yeah, I want an extra 50? Yeah, I, I agree. Boston is, I mean, we talked about how, we talked about how long i bought Boston's, as much as we hate them, how good their culture is and how well they handle any type of adversity has gone their way in terms of, like, playoffs, off-the-ice stuff. Um, like I thought Patrice Bergeron handled that. Uh, Mitchell Mitchell Miller, I think his name was. the way, like, Patrice Bergeron and Marchand handled that better than the actual fucking organization did. Which was actually pretty disgusting to see. But, to go back, like, just to go on about Patrice Bergeron and the culture that they built in there. I totally agree. I think that's not brought up as much as it should be. And I think that's what we're doing here, Danny. I think that's the main goal. Everyone makes fun of the whole culture thing. But it really does, it does matter. Obviously, it's not everything. Yeah, like. I know, we need skill to win. No shit, thanks. I need star players, at least three. I know, but at the same time, you need good culture. You can have all the fucking skilled guys in the world. Look at McDavid, look at Gerard with Edmonton, and I'm not saying they have a bad culture, but I mean, you see it with Toronto too. Those guys just aren't going to win together because they don't push each other. You know, it's just, they're, they're all just floating, it seems like when playoff time rolls around. And I think that, that that's why you have... Guys like Matthew Kachak who just don't float, who want to play playoff hockey, and just I don't know. And then then you have the guys matters. under him; they almost yeah. feed off it. You and, see that and, shit exactly? Yeah,
1: they thrive in it. Like a guy like Bennett, like <laughs> it's the perfect chemistry mold. Did you, did uh, they, they're a great off? regular season team. They are. That's what the Leafs are. They're a yeah. great. Let's go. Let's go buy a ticket and watch a regular season game. Yeah, you're going to see some very high end talent.
0: You know why? But why? Because in the playoffs, Austin Matthews is not allowed. To, to skate down the wall with all free space and let that beautiful yep. wrist shot go. You don't have the time and space to do that, so you have to play. Get Gotta get dirty. Yeah, exactly. And they, they don't do that. That group doesn't do that. I don't know if it, they have to move one of them and bring in a guy who kind of, like, wakes them the fuck up kind of thing. Because like that's... I mean, I wouldn't give up on all of them, but I would trade one of them and try to bring in a guy who would kind of mesh better with them because they are not... They're, they're not winning anything... With that for, in my opinion.
1: They got outplayed by Tampa. Yep. And Tampa wasn't Tampa this year. And they still should have lost. Yeah. I
0: mean. Do you know what it kind of reminds me of? And what. I'm going to use a basketball reference. But it it, it, it comes back to the culture. And how you can lead a team. And I think that's what a guy like Matthew Kachuk does. And why that's so important. I was watching a video the other day. And it was a team... It was Team USA versus Spain. And I think it was Kobe Bryant up against Paul Gasol. And everybody knows how close Kobe Bryant and Paul Gasol are. And it was like a documentary kind of video. And LeBron and uh, Chris... uh, Chris Bosh, I think his name is, was like... They were telling the story. I think Carmelo Anthony too. And uh, Kobe walked right up to LeBron and everyone. It was like, first play, I know the play. I'm going to run right through Gasol's chest. And like they're best friends. Like, they're brothers. And... Sure enough, first play, he was like, double screen, Paul Gasol's the last screen, and Kobe Bryant runs right through his fucking chest. And I mean, has, sends Paul Gasol flying, and LeBron and everyone's like, holy fucking shit, like, he just sent a message saying, yeah, that's my brother and all, but he's not my brother today. Like, we're fucking enemies today, and I feel like when, as a teammate, when you see that shit, like, damn, he just sent his fucking brother, his one of his best friends, went right through his fucking chest and then said, get the fuck up to him. Like, that." You, you see, per, me personally, I see that. I see my teammate do that. Dude, I'm, I'm running through a wall. And I think, like, that's what you really need. You have, you have to have players who are willing to do stuff like that, to set a culture, and have the skill guys see that happening. And, and then that fires the skill guys up, and they go out and go top right. You know what I mean? It's just that's what you really need. Culture is so yeah. important. They've just been handed
1: everything, these guys. I mean, they're all high overall picks who have never had to fear for their job or their their ice time. And when they did under Babcock, they quickly got him out of there. I mean, these are guys that have never faced real – I mean, they they face adversity every single year. (laughs) wait.
0: wait. (laughs) I'm sorry to cut you off again, but they wrote smiley faces on their gloves because apparently Mike Babcock made – life miserable for them, like, and playing hockey, so they wrote smiley faces on their gloves or something, I don't know if that story's true or not, but I did see something speaking of that nature, and I'm just like, alright, Jesus Christ, dude, like, let me play you the, the the world's smallest violin, like, Jesus Christ, like, I'm not defending all the shit that Nice Babcock has done, he's done some pretty shitty things, and he said some pretty shitty things, but... Jesus Christ, dude, you want every fucking coach to come in here and baby you? Like, so you're happy playing hockey? Like, yeah, of course you want to be happy. You want to have fun playing the game that you love. But, I mean, it's not all going to be sunshines and rainbows. It's, it's Some shit's going to suck. You're going to get called out, just like John Tortorella calls out the players that he does. That's what you need. You need somebody who, who loves you, but is still going to tell you that you're a dumbass and you're fucking up. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want personally in any kind of relationship that I'm in somebody who supports me but at the same time turns around and tells me that, hey, what you're doing right now is not right. Stop. You know what I mean? Like, that's, for me personally, I just, I think that is very important. Yeah.
1: Nah, absolutely. And like like I said, they've never faced any real adversity. Yeah, they're in that market. Yeah, they lose in the playoffs every year, but they've never faced, like, had fear that, yo, my buddy is going to get shipped out, or I'm going to get shipped out. This core is going to be like, they, yep. they've never played with that desperation of like, I want to do it for the guy next to me. I don't yep. want this team to, to break up. Like they don't, the way they went down was sad. And you look at Kachuk, like he had some adversity. He was traded at new organization. You look at the way he's responding. Like you could see the fire in him. Like yep. he fucking wants it. Like, and you could just tell that the Leafs went, when they get pushed, like they just don't push back.
0: Yep. And like, I... I could see people coming at us being like, yeah, cause, cause you're definitely in the locker room. You know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is just our opinion. I mean, this is what we're I've, just looking at. I've seen it like, for yeah. years. Yeah.
1: Like I've watched all of their series every year for years. And I, I put, I feel like all hockey fans, all diehard hockey fans put a little more focus on the Maple Leafs than any other team, just cause they're the fucking Maple Leafs. They're like them. They're the Mecca of the NHL. They're the, yeah. the biggest market in terms of media press, in terms of c- Canadian markets, like, so of course you pay a little bit more attention to them and do the it's right like they are soft they don't want it I mean this should have been the year especially beating the lightning Dude, where awesome you should have it's There's. you crazy. could have, you should have been able to see the desperation on them like yeah. yo if we don't get this done Dubis is gone like they'd really just let Dubis die like that man that's crazy <laughs> that, that that guy did everything for them he babied them he gave them the, do- the little dollar amount they wanted. Mm-hmm. He did everything for them. Got the coach out of there when they were, like, dude.
0: Uh, Hired the friendly nah, coach. It's the, not even the, my team. The player-friendly coach and, and Sheldon Keith. when other yep. guys, more experienced guys were available at that time. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about the Maple Leafs a little bit too long, but fuck them, right? <laughs> at the end of the day, I kind of enjoy seeing them. Not be good. Like fuck you for having yeah. four guys who would be the best player on my team by a mar- a large margin. So,
1: just you would have thought there would have been of like a yo they can feel it yeah. moment. And there was but there never, never was
0: never not once was there. it was a the moment. same
1: thing with the Sixers. Like the Sixers were. And I always compare these two franchises because they're e- they're eerily similar. Great regular season team. As soon as the playoffs hit, they just can't adapt to the style. Why they just can't? They they don't get foul calls, so they can't adapt to the style. Like it, it's really just. That simple when it comes to the Sixers, but, dude, they just they fall off a cliff every year, just like yep. the Maple Leafs. No pushback, and they have prime opportunities, too. Good matchups. Like, Maple Leafs will be playing in Montreal. Florida, like, yes, Florida's hot, great goalie, probably a, like, a bad matchup at the time for Toronto, but if, it, you have to be feeling good going into that series if you're the Toronto organization. You have to feel like, oh, we can win this. It's better than Boston. You have to be thinking that. And to come out that flat is fucking ridiculous. It's insane. And like the Sixers, you're up 3 2 in the series and you lay two clunkers. Like that team just doesn't want it, dude. You can't teach that.
0: No, nah, yeah, you can't teach heart, man. And that's what it comes down to, especially in the playoffs. That's when playoff performers are made, is when guys who want it, like. Hard work beats talent, right? And that's something that we've heard ever since we were little. And that's true. Like, as cheesy as it is, it's fucking true.
1: Especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs.
0: Also, I apologize about my fucking dogs, dude. They've been barking <laughs> insane all day. All fucking day. So annoying.
1: Nah, you're good. But yeah, I absolutely agree. This was with everything f- that we just said.
0: 73 minute. We're going to wrap this one up. That's a good one, Danny, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Back for
0: 95 here. Let's go.
1: With a new uh president of hockey operations. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling good, new jerseys on the way I, I I feel much better in this episode than I probably did recording last episode. No, for sure, dude. Much all you, better. All
0: I need to do is just hand me the, the 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 New York number eight jersey and I'm cool until oh. October. I'm cool. Or or Kate's going twenty seven. What's up with that? Dude, and like, like we talk that? about we talk about guys
1: who like fly under the radar, like no no Kate's, man. It's another guy in that depth fight <laughs> line.
0: If Noah Cates gets an ounce of offensive talent into his system, he's a really, really good player. Yeah. Now. Like, a really good player. Like, if he takes any kind of offensive leap, oh, shit, because he's a fucking stud defensively um, at that forward position, man. He really is. Yeah,
1: he seems like the kind of – oh, man. Like, he, he really seems like he would be useful in a playoff series in your depth. Oh, my
0: gosh, yeah, dude. He's my 3C. Like, legitimately, I want him to be playing C for the next couple of years, get used to it, and then when I'm ready to contend, I want him 3-4-C. Like, that's the kind of player that you want battling in the yeah. bottom six come playoff time, for sure.
1: I hope Dan might might be in there, yeah. too. He's
0: a good 4-checker, a little pesty guy, doesn't really give up on the 4-check. Love it. Excited for it, man. Optimistic.
1: Absolutely. This was episode 95 of Liberty O. Follow us on all socials at the Liberty O. Follow me at T-L-Y Danny on Twitter and Chris at Chris Stumps.
0: Go floor.